Our scripture text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, the first 16 verses. This is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, one of Jesus' parables. And it begins, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three o'clock he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those that were hired at five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, teach us to love your generosity not only for ourselves, but for those around us, if possible even for our enemies. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, I'm sure that first crowd was just happy to get a job. Uh, they were day laborers, and they never had a guarantee for work the next day. They had to find a new job with each sunrise. So they got up early on that morning. Six o'clock, they were in the marketplace looking for work. The landowner comes in, and he sees them and hires them. He agrees with them for a denarius. Uh, that's a normal day's pay. It's not a lot of money, but it would give you enough to provide for your family and yourself for another day. And so they make this agreement for a payment, and he sends them off to work a 12-hour day in the vineyard. It would be a long, hard day. They would bear the scorching heat. They would have uh, hard labor. But at the end of the day, they would get enough money to provide for their family for yet another day. And so surely they were grateful. They had to be. The landowner needing more workers at 9 o'clock goes out and gathers some more, and then at 12, and then again at 3 in the afternoon. And now there's no detail given about exactly what he'll pay them, just whatever's fair. And finally, at 5 o'clock, one hour before quitting time, this, these latecomers join the work at the vineyard. Now I've heard a lot of people criticize them, a lot of people that think like we Westerners want to accuse them of being lazy, like maybe they were sleeping in all day. The text really doesn't say that. That's not part of the story. All we really know is that they weren't there earlier in the day and they were there at five o'clock and the landowner still needed workers. And so he said, you go also and, and I'll pay you whatever's fair. The, 
the first crowd, those first workers, had to have been curious when, when they realized that the latecomers were going to get paid first. Not a big problem, it just seemed a little odd to them. Their curiosity turned to excitement and a hurry as they could see the payday being handed out. They could see the amount of money that those uh, latecomers were getting. It was a denarius, a full day's pay, 12 hours of pay for one hour of work. Man, they were doing the math in their head. The, those first workers were saying, if the landowner is fair, if he's fair, we're going to get, we're going to get a really loaded. They're so excited and hardly speak. They're doing the math in their head. If the, well, those that only work one hour got a full day's pay, those of us that work 12 hours, maybe we get two weeks worth of pay. Maybe for the first time in their lives, they're going to have a little extra money. Maybe they can pay off something they owe somebody. They're excited as they come to their turn to get paid. That excitement, though, very quickly turns to anger. They each get paid a denarius. Now remember, that was the agreement. They agreed 12 hours earlier that they were going to work all day long for the usual day's pay for a denarius. And that's exactly what they got. But they were furious. They're angry at the landowner and begin grumbling against him. How dare you treat us this way? You have made us equal to them. You've made us like those latecomers. You've disrespected our 12-hour day. You've made us out to be one of those people. Why did they, why did they expect more? Why do I expect more? Why do we expect better than fair? Because it was what they agreed for. It was a fair, a fair day's pay. Why do we expect better than fair? Well, as I look at the story, those first workers worked harder. They did work harder. They worked longer. They produced more for the landowner. I worked harder. You know, I think about growing up, I worked harder to try to get ahead. I worked harder in school than a lot of my classmates. I uh, I followed the rules. I studied. I did the work to make good grades. I turned in my assignments on time. I respected my teachers and the faculty of the school. I tried to cross all the T's and dot all the I's so that I could, I wanted to be much more like those early workers, doing my part so I could get what was coming to me. The same thing when I entered the workforce. I worked long hours. I would stay late to study to get the extra training, volunteer for extra duties, uh, putting in insanely long weeks sometimes to try to, to, try to advance, to, to try to get ahead. And so I think about those first workers and I can kind of understand their anger. We're doing all of this extra. Shouldn't we deserve a little more? Shouldn't we deserve better than those latecomers that only worked one hour? They wanted to be treated better than fair. Sometimes I want to be treated better than fair. Sometimes I begin to think that I deserve a little bit better than some of those folks around me. Because I've worked for them. 
That's the way we like to evaluate ourselves. In fact, when I think about the New Testament, in these uh, 32 years of ministry, there's one New Testament story that church members, church members have complained to me about more than any other. There's that passage that they just don't like, and they want me to explain it, or better yet, explain it away. They're really, some are really kind of angered by the story. You want to know what it is? You might think it's Jesus cleansing the temple. Maybe they don't like the idea of violent Jesus. In reality, very few church folks I've ever had complained about that story. No, their number one complaint, from my experience, their number one complaint is the story of the thief on the cross. You may remember how it went. Jesus is hanged on the cross between two thieves. And one is cursing him and mocking him, but the other one uh, says... Uh, the other one calls out the first one. And the other one simply says to Jesus, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to that thief, that thief that's being executed, today you'll be with me in paradise. A lot of church folks hate that passage. It doesn't seem fair. The, that guy didn't have to teach Sunday school. He didn't have to tithe. Uh, he didn't have to show up for worship. He didn't have to do all of those other things that we felt that we're doing. He didn't do as much for God in this life as we did. And there, and there Jesus is welcoming him into paradise in the final hour. Yeah, it makes us mad. Now think about that, though. The God of the universe, the God of the universe finds a way to extend grace to this man in the final hours of his life. The God of the universe welcomes this soul into the kingdom in the final hours of his life. And we're angry about that? We're mad? That's not fair. You're making him like us who have followed you for years and decades. Privilege is a sneaky thing. It shows up in our lives without invitation. We don't invite it to come along. A lot of times we're not even aware it's there. In fact, I suspect for folks who look like me, most of the time, we're not even aware that it's there. Part of the reason is because, in fact, I did work harder than a lot of my classmates. I did make better grades than a lot of my classmates. And it's easy for me to begin to think that I should be treated better than they. But when I'm honest about privilege, I have to admit that I had a head start on a lot of those people. I had natural giftedness that some of them didn't have. Studying came easier. That's not anything about me. I was just born that way for reasons I don't understand. I grew up in a home that was stable and safe. My, uh, both my parents and my older brothers were there to support me and love me and encourage me. That, I lived in the same house for the first 18 years of my life. I graduated from high school living in the same house into which I was born. I had a lot of stability that some of my classmates didn't have. I never had to worry about food. Uh, in fact, I never went to school without breakfast. My mom would get up early in the morning and most of the time we had a hot breakfast. I would have bacon and eggs or, or pancakes and sausage before going off to school. And 
not even realizing that some of my classmates didn't have that opportunity, not thinking about the fact that it's hard to get ahead in school when all you can hear is the rumbling in your stomach. Education was important in my household, and so I had an environment that made it easier. Uh, three of my, all three of my older brothers graduated college. Both of my parents attended college. Two of my grandparents graduated from college. Uh, so education was baked into our DNA. It was, going off to college was as natural as moving to high school from junior high school. You just knew you were gonna do it. That doesn't make me better than anybody. It just proves I had a head start that some of my classmates didn't have. Uh, and I was white. I still am. I, I'm, I'm white. And that gives advantages that you're not aware of when you're white. I remember uh, going to swimming lessons uh, as a child in the all-white pool. And I didn't think a whole lot of it then. I did feel like I must be a little more important because I could go to the pool and other people couldn't. And so I guess maybe that gave me a, a false sense of superiority. It was definitely arrogance. But I had that opportunity. I only learned in recent years that the drowning rate among our minority brothers and sisters is way higher than for us white folks. That's another sign of privilege. I had a, a good, well-run place to go and learn to swim. I, now, to be sure, I was bullied in school, and we, we white folks like to push back against the idea of privilege, and we say, well, I had a hard life, too. I had it hard growing up, too. And that may be so. I got bullied in school, but I was never bullied for my skin color. I had to overcome some things, but the color of my skin was never one of them. And I'm a male. Especially in this line of work, another advantage, I, I have female colleagues who when they were assigned to a new appointment and when they were going to become pastor of a new church, they lost members from that church before their first Sunday. I've heard stories of people that upon hearing they're getting a woman pastor or a pastor of color, that they leave, they leave, they withdraw from the church before ever meeting the new pastor. Now, I'll tell you, the first day in a new church is always scary. You never get a second chance to preach your first sermon. But I never worried about my gender or my ethnicity. Those just weren't problems for me. And so, yeah, privilege is sneaky. And it, it comes in on it. It shows up in this crowd of workers that, for whatever reason, had the opportunity to work for 12 hours. They thought somehow they were entitled to more. Sometimes I thought I was entitled to more. Sometimes we think we're entitled to better than fair. And so I have to ask myself, does it bother me when I see my female colleagues getting moved into a nice appointment? Does it bother me when I see uh, ethnic minorities getting races? How do I really feel when those that I believe are latecomers get blessed as much as I am? How do I feel about a God who would choose to bless the latecomers equally or maybe even more than me? That's a tough question and it's one that I think we need to ask ourselves frequently. Are we really, are we really 
invested in justice? Do we really resist evil and justice and oppression in all the forms they present themselves? Now, I want to be clear. I don't, I'm not trying to make us feel guilty for being white or men. That's not the point of the sermon. I simply think it's important for us to realize that we got a head start. And it's okay. It's, it's a good thing. It's a loving thing. It's a godly thing to make opportunities for those that didn't get that head start. So, we expect better than fair. In reality, we don't even deserve fair. None of us deserves fair. If we did, we would all be in trouble because the Bible says fair looks like this. The wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. If we Fairness means we die. God has already treated us better than we deserve. God still blesses us anyway. So let's, let's rewrite the end of the story. Let's rewrite the end of this parable. Imagine at the end, the first crowd, those first workers, celebrate with the latecomers that they're getting enough money to provide for their families as well. Let's just imagine that those who work for 12 hours are, re are rejoicing. They're overjoyed that those latecomers are going to feed their wives and kids as well. Isn't that good news? Imagine if we really did weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Wow. Imagine, imagine if we were pulling for the latecomers. Imagine if, imagine if you can, that we would be on the side of justice. Imagine that we would always choose justice, that we would champion those, that we, we should have been pulling for the thief on the cross. Let's champion the justice for those who we perceive might have been latecomers. Imagine if the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. I pray that it is. Thank you for joining us today in our worship. Uh, perhaps we've said something, maybe you've heard something in the music or the preaching or the praying that has connected with your heart. I want to invite you to connect to Forest Lake uh, more personally. My email address is on the screen and I invite you to send me a note uh, let me know that you'd like to talk about what we talked about today or whatever's on your mind. Uh, I would love to find a way to include you in this incredible family that we call Forest Lake. There is a place for you. Amen. Mm -hmm.